Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of December 2. In the news, Azerbaijani armed forces consistently violated the ceasefire with Armenia and Artsakh over this past week, injuring three Armenian servicemen. France's parliament unanimously adopts a resolution supporting Armenia and calls for sanctions against Azerbaijan. And Russia's Foreign Affairs Minister Sergei Lavrov states that by agreeing to base the Armenia-Azerbaijan Peace Treaty on the UN Charter and the Alma-Ata Declaration of 1991, the sides have, quote, resolved the issue of the status of Nagorno-Karabakh. This week, again, Azerbaijani armed forces violated the ceasefire with Armenia and Artsakh on a regular basis using different caliber firearms. On November 29, an Armenian serviceman was injured by Azerbaijani gunfire at an Armenian combat position located in the eastern part of the Armenian-Azerbaijani border. The serviceman is in stable condition. The injury is not life-threatening. At the same time, Azerbaijan's defense ministry accused Armenia of violating the ceasefire several times. Two soldiers were also wounded in Artsakh as a result of Azerbaijani's shelling of the western part of the line of contact. The life of the soldiers uh, is not in danger. At the same time, Azerbaijan accused Artsakh's defense army of violating the ceasefire several times in the directions of Shushi, Askeran, and Marduni. On November 29, the Russian defense ministry confirmed that Azerbaijani armed forces fired at uh, Armenian troops uh, near Shushi. The Russian peacekeeping mission also issued a statement announcing that it is investigating the matter with the Azerbaijani side. Two days earlier, Azerbaijan's defense ministry issued a statement demanding that Russia's defense ministry stop using Nagorno-Karabakh in its press releases. According to the Azerbaijani side, the Russian defense ministry keeps using the Armenian names for places, and it is undesirable that the Karabakh economic area, in quotes, is mentioned as Nagorno-Karabakh. On November 30, the French parliament unanimously adopted a resolution supporting Armenia and calling for sanctions against Azerbaijan. The resolution condemns the military aggression of Azerbaijan on September 13 and 14 of this year. It also calls for an end to the occupation of Armenia's sovereign territory by Azerbaijan and for the immediate withdrawal of Azerbaijani armed forces. With the resolution, the French parliamentarians also called on the OSCE Minsk Group, the International Alliance for the Protection of Heritage in Conflict Areas, and UNESCO to take measures to preserve Armenian cultural and religious heritage in the areas under Azerbaijani control of Armenian territory and Nagorno-Karabakh. The French parliament also urged its government to continue its mediation efforts and to continue to mobilize diplomacy so that a lasting solution can be implemented concerning the security of the Armenian population of Nagorno-Karabakh. Last week, the French Senate had adopted a similar resolution. Following the adoption of the resolution by the French Parliament, the Foreign Ministry of France announced that the text adopted by the initiative of the Parliament does not constitute an official position of the government and was adopted in complete independence in accordance with the principle of separation of powers. According to the Foreign Ministry, the position of the French government is well known and has been expressed by the minister on numerous occasions, in particular on November 29, namely that France continues to encourage the parties to move forward in these negotiations and to seize the opportunity for peace. Azerbaijan responded to the French Parliament's resolution. Azerbaijan's ambassador to France, Leila Abdullayeva, announced that France is hindering the establishment of peace, while Azerbaijan's foreign ministry stated that the resolution is full of lies and slander and described it as yet another provocation against Azerbaijan. According to Baku, the resolution is aimed at harming the normalization between Armenia and Azerbaijan and proves that France has a biased disposition. 
And amid the daily ceasefire violations on Armenia's eastern borders, the ambassador of the Netherlands to Armenia, Nico Schirmers, visited the town of Jermuk, which was severely hit and damaged by Azerbaijani military on September 13-14. The Dutch ambassador um, got acquainted with the current situation following the latest Azerbaijani aggression. And yesterday, the head of the European Monitoring Mission visited the region of Gerard Kunik, while Armenia's defense ministry reports that the ceasefire violations are taking place on the eastern part of the the border. It does not specify the exact location, so it is unclear whether Azerbaijani armed forces are targeting Gerard Sunik or Vyotsor. Yesterday, Philip Rieker, the U.S. co-chair of the OSC Minsk Group and senior advisor for Caucasus negotiations, arrived in Yerevan, where he will stay until December 4. Upon his arrival, Rieker was received by Armenia's Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan. Pashinyan and Riker discussed issues related to the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict, including the formation of an international mechanism for discussions between Stepanagert and Baku. They also touched upon the normalization of Armenia-Azerbaijan relations, regional stability, and other security issues. The uh, Armenian-American strategic dialogue was also discussed. Riker also met with the Secretary of the Security Council, Armen Grikorian. According to the U.S. Embassy in Yerevan, Riker is also expected to meet with other government officials, members of civil society, and others to discuss U.S. support for direct talks between army and Azerbaijan to reach a lasting peace. Before arriving in Yerevan, Riker was in Baku and Tbilisi. In Baku, the U.S. envoy met with Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev and Foreign Minister Jehun Bayramov, with whom he discussed the Armenia-Azerbaijan normalization process and the negotiations regarding the peace treaty, which took place in Washington on November 7 between the foreign ministers of Armenia and Azerbaijan. In Baku, Riker called on Armenia and Azerbaijan to plan further negotiations and to take concrete steps to prepare the ground for a peace treaty. According to Azerbaijan's foreign ministry, Bayramov also brought up the topic of the reintegration of Artsakh Armenians into Azerbaijani society. And yesterday, Kristina Kvien, a candidate of the U.S. ambassador to Armenia, announced during her candidacy hearing at the Foreign Affairs Committee that the settlement of the Armenia-Azerbaijan conflict is imperative for the peaceful future of Armenia and the South Caucasus region. She also stated that if appointed ambassador to Armenia, she will do everything to further U.S. interests in Armenia to support Armenia's democratic development and the normalization of relations between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Toivo Klar, the EU special representative to the South Caucasus, was also in Azerbaijan last week, where he met with uh, Ilham Aliyev and Jehun Bayramov, the foreign minister, summing up his trip. To Baku, Klar tweeted that the president of Azerbaijan is committed to the EU-facilitated negotiations format, adding that many challenges remain and that restraint and strong political will uh, will be needed by Azerbaijan and Armenia to reduce tensions to achieve a comprehensive settlement. Klar did not visit Yerevan. This time he was last in the capital of Armenia at the end of October. And over the weekend, Aliyev also discussed the Armenia-Azerbaijan normalization processes with Russia's President Vladimir Putin during their third phone call within three weeks. This call came after Putin's visit to Armenia last week. The opening of regional communications was at the center of the conversation. Azerbaijan's foreign minister is set to discuss the Armenia-Azerbaijan normalization process with uh, his Russian counterpart, Sergei Lavrov, next week in Moscow. Before his talks with Bayramov, Lavrov commented on uh, Armenia-Azerbaijan relations and the Nagorno-Karabakh-Artsakh conflict at a press conference yesterday. Lavrov noted 
that by agreeing to base the Armenia-Azerbaijan Peace Treaty on the UN Charter and the Alma-Ata Declaration of 1991, the sides, uh, in this case Armenia, Azerbaijan, France, and the EU, have, he said, closed in direct translation, but, you know, resolved or ended the issue of the status of Nagorno-Karabakh. He noted that the Alma-Ata Declaration states that all allied republics establish a cooperation of independent states and affirm the inviolability of borders along the borders that existed between the countries of the Soviet Union, adding that at that time Nagorno-Karabakh was Definitely, uh, this is a quote, part of Azerbaijan. The Russian foreign ministry stated that asking Russia to reconfirm its offer regarding leaving the status of Nagorno-Karabakh to the future is not in the spirit of negotiations. Well, Prime Minister Pashinyan had stated several times that army expected Russia to support its offer to leave the status of Nagorno-Karabakh to future negotiations. Lavrov also stated that recently Armenian officials have been talking about the rights of the Armenian population of Artsakh rather than the status of Nagorno-Karabakh. He added that Azerbaijan is ready to provide the same rights to the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh as the rest of Azerbaijan's population. Lavrov once again announced that the OSC Minsk Group has ceased to exist because the U.S. and French co-chairs refused to cooperate with Russia after the, quote, special operation in Ukraine was launched. Well, uh, given the uh, state of human rights in Azerbaijan granted anyone the same rights as Azerbaijani citizens is not exactly (laughs) Exactly. putting anyone's mind at ease. Well, uh, this week, during an interview to Armen Press, Foreign Minister Artnir Zoyan announced that Yerevan has received Azerbaijan's answer regarding the peace treaty proposals presented to Baku earlier in November. This is for the normalization of relations, adding that discussions are ongoing. Mirzoyan expressed hope that an agreement on the issue will be reached as soon as possible. Speaking about the situation in the region, Mirzoyan noted that despite the ongoing negotiations in different dimensions, Azerbaijan's maximalist and warmongering statements, groundless accusations against the Armenian side, and threats to use uh, force are, you know, are not stopping. In addition, according to the foreign minister, the Azerbaijani armed forces continue to remain on the sovereign territory of Armenia while repeatedly carrying out provocative military actions. Mirzoyan also stated that the combination of these facts show that the situation remains extremely tense and called on Armenia's international partners to make additional efforts to curb Azerbaijan's ambitions and preserve the fragile peace in the South Caucasus. Baku reacted to Mirzoyan's statements, uh, calling his comments about the occupation of Armenia's sovereign territory groundless, which is interesting because they are, in fact, on Armenian territory. The rest is even more interesting. I know. Well, in return, Azerbaijan's foreign ministry accused Armenia of keeping eight Azerbaijani villages occupied, seven villages in Davush, now Davush is an Armenian region, and Dikranashen on the border with Nakhichevan, refusing to withdraw its troops from, quote, Azerbaijan's territory, meaning Artsakh, and initiating military provocations, and it's a smearing propaganda, and we've written about this in the past, and every time Armenia says something, Azerbaijan comes up with its, you know, a mirrored kind of uh, accusation. We saw a lot of this during the war, mm-hmm. and uh, we have several after, yeah. uh, <laughs> articles about this. Well, uh, on November 28, Azerbaijan returned the bodies of 13 Armenian servicemen who were killed during the September 13 14 Azerbaijani offensive against Armenia's eastern borders. The investigative committee has appointed examinations to identify the bodies. Armenia reported over 210 casualties during the hostilities.
On November 29, the Speaker of the Turkish President, Ibrahim Kalin, announced that positive processes are taking place in Armenian-Turkish talks, noting the meeting of the two countries' delegation on the Armenia-Turkey border on November 1. The delegations met on the border to discuss technical issues such as possible opening of the land border and border controls, as well as the operation of bridges, roads, and customs checkpoints. Kalin also spoke about the prospect of opening the land border for holders of diplomatic passports and third-country citizens. The Turkish official once again underscored that Turkey is coordinating the Turkey-Armenia talks with Azerbaijan. And yesterday, Armenia's foreign minister met with his Hungarian counterpart in Lodz, Poland, and uh, on the sidelines of the OSC Ministerial Council, the ministers exchanged views about the current state of relations between Armenia and Hungary. They agreed to restore full diplomatic relations, expressing their intention to open a new chapter in Armenia-Hungary relations based on mutual trust and respect towards international law. As a follow-up to the meeting, the two governments will appoint non-resident ambassadors to explore the possibilities of the development of their relations, especially in the fields of trade, culture, education, and tourism. The necessary diplomatic and administrative procedures will begin in the coming days. Well, the new chapter is supposed to open based on mutual respect and uh, respect towards international law. And uh, this is a very interesting wording, and mm-hmm. this is why. Armenia cut uh, diplomatic ties with Hungary in 2012 after Hungary extradited Ramil Safarov, an Azerbaijani officer who axed Armenian Lieutenant Gurgen Markarian to death in Budapest in 2004. Uh, he was extradited to Azerbaijan. Baku pardoned Safarov and declared him a hero of Azerbaijan. I remember that so clearly, Rubina. It was really, really absolutely disgusting, to be honest. Well, um, and the fact that Armenia is now in agreement to reestablish diplomatic ties is interesting. Well, in Lodz, Mirzoyan also met the foreign ministers of the Netherlands, Greece, Switzerland, Slovenia, Slovakia, and several other countries. He also met with Joseph Borrell, the high representative of the European Union for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, the development of the Armenia-EU partnership and the expansion of the bilateral agenda were discussed during the meeting, including regional stability and security and the work of the EU monitoring mission in Armenia. Mirzoyan also briefly talked to his Turkish and Azerbaijani counterparts. And the Secretary of the Security Council, Armen Grigorian, was in France and Germany this week for official visits. In Paris, Grigorian met with Isabelle Dumont, the French President Emmanuel Macron's advisor on continental Europe and Turkey, Frédéric Mondolini, uh, Director of the Continental Europe Department of the French Foreign Ministry, and with the French co-chair of the OSC Minsk Group, Bryce Roquefoy, uh, regional and international security issues, as well as the development of Armenia-France relations were the In Berlin, Secretary Grigorian met with the Foreign and Security Policy Advisor of the Chancellor of Germany, Jens Plotner, uh, the State Minister of the German Foreign Ministry, Tobias Lindner, and other officials. The Secretary also held meetings in the Foreign Relations Committee of the Bundestag. Armenian-German bilateral relations were discussed during those meetings.
And in very local news, three members of the Parliamentary Opposition Armenia Alliance put down their mandates this week, among them the leader of the resurgent Armenia party, Vahe Hagopian, Armenia Alliance member Aram Vartevanyan, Vartevanyan Jishtashe. Armenia Alliance member Aram Vartevanyan had put down his mandate last week. Their vacant positions will be filled with four other Armenia Alliance members who were on the list of the alliance but did not make it to parliament during last year's elections. Armenia's Constitutional Reforms Council decided this week that Armenia should maintain the parliamentary form of government. I'm just we just keep flip-flopping it seems anyway. The council will present the reform package to the government. One of the main topics of the reforms which uh, was launched last year was changing the governmental system back to a semi-presidential system. It seems we're not going to be doing that. It was also something that the former president Armen Sarkisyan was pushing for and advocating mm-hmm. for and uh, mm-hmm. well uh, the council is advising not to do it. Well, uh, during yesterday's cabinet meeting, the Armenian government decided to allocate 10 billion Armenian drums, this is over 25 million US dollars, to the IT sector to mitigate the losses that the sector has been facing due to the appreciation of the Armenian drum over the US dollar. Since most IT companies in Armenia are cooperating with foreign, mainly Western companies, the depreciation of the US dollar has impacted their income negatively. The National Security Service exposed yet another case of state treason. It revealed that an Armenian army major um, handed over information on state secrets and his deployment post to foreign agents. In return, he received approximately 20,000 U.S. dollars. And the daughter of the Armenian former police chief, Vladimir Gasparian, is facing criminal charges for illegal appropriation of property as well as for not attending work between 2015-2018 while holding the position of senior official at the Armenian police. And uh, the father is in hot waters as well with the law at this point. So It's a family affair. Yesterday, a small passenger plane flying from the Czech Republic to Russia crashed in Armenia's Godaik region. The the bodies of the two pilots, both Russian nationals, were found at the site of the crash. No further details have been revealed about the incidents. It was really interesting because they were saying that the plane had landed in Yerevan to change crew, not to refuel, but to change crew members. Yeah, and uh, I read in Hedka that it had been checked beginning of the year for technical issues it was up for sale so there's a lot of details but nothing that are missing is yeah and mm-hmm. yes and the holiday decorations in Republic Square have created a stir on Armenian social media. Since yesterday, an image has been circulating where the ornamental lights have damaged the facade of one of the buildings. Yesterday, the municipality announced that the image has nothing to do with the decorations. According to the municipality, once the lights are removed from the building, the holes left by the screws will be refilled. Today, Deputy Mayor Dikran Avinyan announced during a press conference that the buildings have not sustained any real damage. He noted that the buildings have been damaged in the past as well, and that next spring, restoration works will be initiated for the buildings. So uh, uh, they're trying to take it lightly, but uh, they, they like really yeah. uh, poked holes in those buildings that are like carved and the Armenian two-foot stone. It's not very durable. Mm-hmm. It's like A very porous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, porous. So filling them up and even like not doing a because we've seen this fill up jobs as well. <laughs> so. Uh, 
I understand it's a big deal. We want to make a good impression. We have the uh, Eurovi- junior Eurovision junior, uh, Eurovision coming on, but uh, maybe they should have thought of better ways to do this Absolutely. rather than Absolutely. I mean, why couldn't they just projected lights? And, and, you know, they've done that in the past, but, you know, these buildings, for those who have been to Armenia, know Republic Square and Yerevan, they're, they're stunning buildings, you know, the architecture, and like you said, that There are heritage buildings sure. that are, like, designed by Tamanyan himself, so uh i don't know <laughs> anyway uh, holiday seasons and celebrations make people go kind of <laughs> crazy well during the annual armenia fund telethon 11 million uh, us dollars uh, was raised this year's telethon was called we develop dynamic communities the armenia fund announced that donations are still being received and that they will publicize the final results at the end of the year and that's the kind of week it's been here in armenia have a safe and peaceful weekend and we will be back again next week